On Wednesday, there was a special event in Dulic in County Meath, honouring a woman who was born there in 1827. This woman is very well known in her adopted home of San Francisco, California, but perhaps not so well known here in Ireland. Really great to be here on International Women's Day. Uh, We have come very far, but there is still a long, long way to go. Uh, My mother was a teacher, uh, so I'm going to give Kate Kennedy a special uh, shout-out for saying that she should be paid equally to the male teachers in her school. So that began with Kate Kennedy. So I thank her family uh, for her contributions there. Claire Cronin, U.S. Ambassador to Ireland, speaking at the event to honour Kate Kennedy. Kennedy was a pioneering feminist who emigrated to San Francisco, where she became a teacher. Her signature achievement was securing equal pay for equal work, following persistent agitation in California. Outside Dulique Girls National School, there's now a bust of Kate by sculptor Betty Newman McGuire. Her first achievement, winning her court action for equal pay for women in the 1800s. Her second great achievement, securing employment for female teachers who could not be demoted for political activism. Becoming the first female to run for public office in the state of California. This image that I created is of a young girl looking to the future with an array of stars soaring above her. I'm joined in studio this evening by two guests. Pat Kennedy is a relative of Kate Kennedy. And also with me is journalist Ken Murray, who for several years now has been leading this project to celebrate the remarkable achievements of one of our most famous but forgotten emigrants. Ken, uh, tell us first of all, how did you find out about Kate Kennedy? Well, Miles, I was walking down Dawson Street one day back in 1993 and I was passing by Hodges and Figgis bookstore and a book in the window caught my attention and I went in and looked at it and decided, no, this is not for me. So I was browsing a section of books on Irish interest and I came across this book called The Guinness Book of Irish Facts and Feats by Kieran Dean. And basically... The book is about the Irish who went out beyond these shores and achieved, going back as far as you wish. And I said, I like this type of book. Bought the book, went home. I'm working my way through the book. I come to page 57 and there's a reference to a woman called Kate Kennedy from Gaskinstown, County Meath. Now, I live in the countryside and I grew up on a farm and Gaskinstown backs onto our land. And I'm going, I don't know, it couldn't be Kate Kennedy from across the field because surely, surely somebody locally would know about this. Mm. And you that knows County Meath, I thought instantly there must be a Gaskins town over around Kilmainham Wood or maybe near Kinnegad or even Ballinabracky, which is on the Offaly border. And I gave it no further thought. About 15 years later... I took the book down from the shelf again and I'm working my way through it and I come to page 57, Kate Kennedy, Gaskinstown, County Meath, and I thought, the internet is up and running, ordnance survey maps and townlands are there and I checked out all the townlands of Meath and it turns out there's only one, one Gaskinstown in all of Meath and it just happens to be the one next to our land. For what it's worth, by the way, Gaskinstown has another claim to fame. This is, by the way, a country road that mm. links one road to another. It's full of farms, and there's only about 30 houses on the, on the road. Gaskinstown has another claim to fame. Back in 1945, 
an actress called Anne Blythe was nominated for an Oscar for a movie called Mildred Pierce. It starred Joan Crawford. And she was nominated for an Oscar. She didn't win, but she's in the history books as a nominee. Her mum, Nan Lynch, was also from Gaskinstown, <laughs> which is quite bizarre when you think it's only a country lane. But anyway, to cut a long story short, I mentioned to a local councillor called Stephen McKee, who happens to live at the bottom of Gaskinstown, I says, are you aware of this woman called Kate Kennedy? And he said no. So I told him the story. I said, I think we should do something about this. But it wouldn't be appropriate to do something about Kate Kennedy unless we had approval from the family. Now, we didn't know whether any of her generation and the successive generation of Kennedys were still in the country. They could have been in Australia, Japan, wherever. So about five years passed and one evening my brother was out mowing his lawn and he happens to live at the bottom of Gaskinstown Road and this car pulls up at the gate and this man says, excuse me, I'm looking for Gaskinstown. And my brother says, well, you take a right there and you go up the road. Is but there... I wouldn't start from here. Exactly. Uh, is there any one in particular you're looking for? And he says, no, but uh, a distant relative of mine called Kate Kennedy used to live on this road. And he says, well, that's an amazing coincidence. My brother was only talking about her two weeks ago. So he gave me the number. I made contact with Pat Kennedy and we set up a committee with the view of honouring Kate Kennedy, the woman who agitated for equal pay for equal work. And hence we got up and running and hence the event in Dulik. And you obligingly brought said Pat Kennedy into studio here with you. Uh, Pat, Kate Kennedy was someone you knew about from a fairly early age. You used to hear stories about her. Tell us a bit about her background. Of course. um, Kate came to live in the homeland, Randallstown, after um, her father built a house next door. Uh, That was in the late 1830s. Unfortunately, our father died very young, a couple of months after building the house. And Kate and our family ended up going to America shortly thereafter, a few years. But growing up, I heard about her because her niece wrote a book called The Kennedy Clan and my father had a copy of it and we read about her in it. That's how I knew her all my, my young life. And was it the famine that finally drove it, the it family would have out been. or was it the death of the father? Well, the death of the father, he left seven children behind, all age 14 and under. So they were trying to run a farm during famine times, so it wasn't the best. So they figured... New York was the place to go, so they left. Well, of course, she didn't stop in New York. She ended up in San Francisco. Ken, tell us about her teaching and equal pay campaign in San Francisco. She is, by the way, I have to say, because I have connections with that part of the world myself, she's very well known in San Francisco, far better than she is in Ireland. Well, this is the point we were making, that she's a bit of a celeb in trade union and teacher circles in the USA. I mean... You know, uh, maybe later on we'll mention the various books she gets a mention in. But Kate Kennedy was born in 1827 and two years later a Catholic emancipation came in and it seems she was very inspired by Daniel O'Connell who, as you know, challenged the British to abolish the penal laws. And she must have been influenced by the famine because the story goes that the Catholic Church at the time said that the famine was the will of God and she wasn't having any of this and she renounced her religion and it seems a fire was born into her 
and a determination not to take no for an answer. So she went to New York and on to San Francisco where her sisters had already been there. There had been a movement of people from New York to San Francisco because there was talk of the gold rush. Mm. And it seems a lot of people who wanted to make quick money went there. For a lot of people, it didn't work out. So anyway, Kate Kennedy ends up in San Francisco, I think it was 1856, and she had a basic education in Ireland. She got educated in Dulic National School and then she went to the Loretto College in Navan. But she seemed able to read, write, add, subtract and multiply. She was switched on, tuned in. She knew what she was about. She got to San Francisco and she ended up getting a job in 1867 as the principal of the North Cosmopolitan School. However, that appointment didn't work out. It seems she was a bit of a rebel in the school and the Board of Education basically in San Francisco proposed to pay her less than a man would have earned. So being angry, being furious, she started to, if you like, agitate for change. She was basically saying, no, I'm not putting up with this. I'm equal to any man and I can do the same job. So therefore, I should be paid the same as a male. And she took it to court. Well, she went to the Californian state legislature. She lobbied them over and over and over. And they basically said, we better do something about this because if we don't, we are going to look bad. And the state legislature in 1874 changed the law, but the law wasn't implemented. There was a sort of a a blind eye and a deaf ear turned to equal pay for female teachers. So she kept up the fight. When she went to court, they ruled in her favour and effectively she is seen as the person who brought about equal pay for equal work. But the story doesn't stop there because she then took up another teaching position in San Francisco and once again was stirring the pot, rocking the boat. She was viewed as trouble and she was basically dismissed. And when she then took a follow-up action to uh, deal with her dismissal, the court ruled in 1890 that it would be then against the law to dismiss a teacher just purely on the grounds of political agitation. So they came up with this finding in the court ruling that you would have to have engaged in either misconduct or you had to have broken the law. But by being a pain in the neck wasn't enough to have you dismissed. (laughs) So in doing so, then she became the person associated with equal pay for equal work. And then she changed the law in so much as schools in California couldn't just dismiss somebody who was banging on the door seeking change. And she also ran for statewide office in California, one of the first women, if not the first woman, to do so. That's right. She was nominated by the Labour Party in California to run for public office in 1886. And she ran for what's known as the State Superintendent of Instruction position. Apparently in America, a lot of these local boards, you have to be elected. It's the same nearly as being the chief of police. You have to be elected. It's not a political appointee. So she ran for office, even though she didn't have a vote. She didn't win, but she stopped the incumbent from, if you like, winning the position again. But in doing so, she became the first female 
to run for public office in the state of California and then became an inspiration for other women to do the same. And she was one of a number of Irish immigrants, uh, some of them, a number of them women as well, advocating for better pay and conditions. She, I mean, Mother Jones, Mary Harris, would have been a national figure. Kate Kennedy is, I suppose, more of a local figure, but still very effective. Oh, still very effective. And, uh, you know, you talk about coincidences and local connections. I presume, Miles, you're familiar with the Knights of Labour. Indeed. And the main man in the Knights of Labour at the time was a man called Terence Powderly. Terence Powderly was from Bryanstown, just outside Drogheda. That surprises people because it's not a very Irish name. No, and there's there's a batch of Powderleys in the Dalik area. And uh, suddenly this man, Terence Powderly, is the main man in the Knights of Labour. And he sees the fantastic benefits of having somebody like Kate Kennedy on board. So what you see is you see this trend emerging that the Irish were the working class at the time. They were very active in trade unionism and they were pushing for change. And they were up against, in certain parts of the USA, the WASPs, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants who just despised Catholics. And it wasn't just that they had it in for the Irish, they had it in for the Italians and the Poles. As they saw it, the Catholics were an underclass. So you had the likes of Kate Kennedy, who has now broken through. She has set a precedent and she is an inspiration for all sorts of trade unionists right across the USA to deliver, you know, better working conditions and, where possible, equal pay. Past, as you said, uh, her niece wrote a book about her in the 1930s. Tell us a bit about that. Alice Claire Lynch was her niece. She lived on a farm outside San Luis Obispo County and she wrote a biography of all her aunts and uncle and the farm. She also, this Alice Claire Lynch, her niece, corresponded with my father in the 1940s. So there was a lot of information going back and forth between the two of them. And, uh, of course, it was during the war time, so there was a lot of the, lot of the letters were censored. Do, do we know, did she ever come back to Ireland? Did oh, she, she visit? did, she did. She visited, she came back in the late uh, 1870s. In 1878, 20 years after she began her work in San Francisco School Department, Kate asked for a year's leave of absence and spent this time travelling through the British Isles, visiting France, Italy, Spain, Austria, Germany and Switzerland. She spoke German, Italian, French and Spanish, so wherever she went she was able to talk to the people in their own language and gather information from many sources. Her chief object at this time was to investigate educational and economic systems in these countries and she talked with those interested in the higher education of women and visited many of the leading universities at the time. One thing I might add, and you touched on this earlier on, and if we can return to it, uh, what struck me was when I came across the Kate Kennedy story was that she is, you know, revered in books on female achievement in the USA, including, for example, Notable American Women from 1607 to 1951, which is a biographical dictionary published by Harvard Press in 1971. She gets mentioned at length in a book called They Were San Franciscans, which was published in 1941. There's a book called The History of San Francisco, Volume 3, which was published in 1924. She also gets a prominent mention in a book titled European Immigrant Women in the United States by Judy Barrett and Judith MacDonald, and that was published by Garland Publishing in 1994. And as recently as 2018, 
She was honoured by a man called Peter Yeo, who is the Senior Vice President of Public Policy and Advocacy uh, of the United Nations to mark the 73rd anniversary of the UN Declaration on Human Rights. He cited her as one of the great female achievers and pioneers and a woman who inspired others to go out there and fight for their rights. You mentioned Catholicism and the attitude of the wasps towards Catholicism, but... uh you know, but they, at the, towards the end of her life, in fact, quite early on in her life, she was no Catholic, as you pointed out. Well, once again, apparently the Kennedy family saw such appalling misery and squalor during the famine. They began to ask themselves, what sort of a God would allow this to happen? And I touched on the fact that the Catholic Church apparently were challenged about, you know, where was God when the famine was going on? Why are the Catholic Irish dying in a way that... The Protestant Irish are not. And the response was, this was the will of God. And apparently she was furious with this. This didn't win her over whatsoever, which in itself was quite a break with the, if you like, the norm at the time, because anybody who was Catholic was a dedicated Catholic. But she basically went through her life with no religion at all. Just finally, Pat, as as a relative, as a, as a distant relative, is there a great pride about oh. Kate Kennedy and the family? Oh, very, very much so. Like, uh, we don't go out looking for publicity, but I'm, I'm delighted that she's finally getting to be recognised in this country for what she did because she was a, a fighter for women's rights. And not only women's rights, but the poorer people that's around for tax reasons and all that, she was a great agitator for that. And for the ordinary person in the street, that's who she was fighting for. My guests are Pat Kennedy and Ken Murray. Thank you both very much for joining us this evening to talk about the life of Kate Kennedy, a pioneering visionary who's now beginning to get the recognition she deserves. After the break, a rocket engineer's perspective on the moon landing in 1969. Stay with us.